Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? What a week this has been. It, it has been a busy one. It has been a very busy one. I, I had Lifeway Trustee Meeting Monday and Tuesday. Um, yes. The Washington Post uh, was uh, busy covering Southern Baptist Wednesday and Thursday, it seems. And uh, yes, had, a a, of, had some stuff going stuff. on in the church life as well. So uh, we'll yes. maybe more about that later at a later episode. But I, I've had stuff plate spinning all over the place this week, it seems. Yeah, mo- most definitely. And uh, we had we had a few busy things. Washington Post kind of some stuff uh, connected to Southeastern as well. Yep, and Lifeway. And, uh, with, yes, and, and Lifeway. So uh, lots of... Lots of interesting conversations, that's for sure. Um, but the Washington Post had another really great story yes, this week. This one on Lifeway trustee H.B. Charles and his church merging down in Florida. Amy, give us the scoop. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a story that has circulated among Southern Baptists a, a fair amount um, about, about his church, Shiloh Metropolitans. They're in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And sort of their thoughts about uh, church planting in the area. But as they went and talked to the Jacksonville Baptist Association, they learned about um, another church, yeah. a church that uh, that needed something. Yeah, and they were looking to plant in Orange Park. Right. But but Rick Wheeler, who who might be the most well known director of missions in the Southern Baptist community, I I don't know many Southern Baptist director of missions names, but I yeah. know Rick's name, and everybody seems to know Rick's name. But yeah. Rick said, hey, no, I got another idea. You need to talk to Ridgewood Baptist. Yeah. And so it was a church um, in a different area. It was very, very different. Uh, but they had struggled because they had lost uh, their senior pastor from cancer. So uh, Rick Wheeler said, instead of starting a new church, what about a merger? So they start this whole process, and these two churches merge. But very different, very different churches. You have one um, that is uh, urban. It's predominantly African American. Then you have one that is um, more suburban, predominantly white congregation, and they come together, and it's this really incredible story. Um, and a- again, as I said, a lot of coverage has happened on this, maybe in the Southern Baptist world. So some of you may have heard about it. But this week, um, I was uh, actually reading the Washington Post. I have uh, three newspapers that I get on my iPad and that's one of them. And so I'm just looking at it in the morning and I saw a little headline and it was on the front page. Yep. It said something about churches, church merger. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I thought, well, that's H.B. Charles. Yeah. So it was definitely a busy week for Southern Baptists in the Washington Post um, for sure. Uh, but that's a great story that folks should should check out. Yes. So I'm glad to have that as our lead story this week. I had to miss H.B. Uh, he missed a trustee meeting this week because of an uh, illness in the family uh, mm. and wasn't able to make it to Nashville for a trustee meeting. Well, I think we'll have a recap of trustee meeting next week. Yeah. Um, but had, had a great trustee meeting, stayed busy. And and also trustee meetings uh, of note, NAM had their trustee meeting out in California this week. Don't have a recap of that just yet either, hopefully to have that next week. So a uh, couple of trustee meetings already going on. But, Amy, we're talking about the Washington Post. Let's stick in Washington real quick. There's an article in Baptist Press last week about the Johnson Amendment. Now, this is something that we talked about on the Republican uh, platform discussion that we had here on the podcast, and, and we've talked about that in the past. Remind us again what the Johnson Amendment is and what the uh, President and Republican Congress are looking to do. All right, so the Johnson Amendment 
was something that came in uh, 1954, so a long time ago. It's named after Lyndon Johnson. That was not uh, when he was the president. Yeah. That's so when he was the senator. Yep. He's yeah. married to Lady he Bird. Had, yes, he was. Uh, he had a very long um, career as the Senate, uh, the Democratic leader in the Senate for a long time. So it was really uh, high-ranking uh, back then. And um, so it was the federal tax code that they made the amendment uh, to bar any 501c3 organizations. So this is not just churches. It was other um, other organizations of that type as well from directly or indirectly participating in or intervening in any political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to any candidate for elective public office. So basically tax-exempt organizations could not participate in a political campaign um, for or against a candidate. Um, so this has been brought up in recent years. I haven't, I mean, I knew about this. Obviously, we all know, but I knew about the Johnson Amendment specifically, but it was this campaign that it really came up in. So uh, members of Congress have introduced this resolution, and uh, they it's called the Free Speech Fairness Act. Uh, they introduced it on February 1st. That was the day before the National Prayer Breakfast, which was when uh, the president uh, pledged to get rid of the Johnson Amendment. So this is this is something that's happening um, in uh, Congress and that the president is speaking about at the same time. So we talked about it at uh, after the Republican National Convention. Um, but, you know, out of the blocks, it's been a busy few weeks in Washington. Yes. And uh, the, the president and his staff have wasted no time uh, just uh, – getting about the business of those campaign promises, and this uh, is no exception. This is one of them. Yeah, the the one fascinating note about this, and we'll move on to an, another Trump story, uh, but one fascinating thing about this, Life Research had a poll back in September 2015 and showed that 79% of Americans think it's inappropriate for pastors to endorse a candidate in a church meeting. And in addition, 75% said churches should not make endorsements. So uh, the, the public's in there saying that you shouldn't really do this, but I guess there's a difference in doing it and being allowed to do it. Uh, you know, cause yeah. as, as some who, who support this, it has nothing to do with being able to make the endorsements of candidates. It's more about you're censoring what the pastor can say in the pulpit. So, which, right. you know, I, the free speech those are two question. different things. Yeah. Right. It's the free speech question. And, um, you know, I, I think we've had a lot of, st- a lot of stories in the last few years, the uh, the cities um, where yeah, the you know pastor sermons, yeah. the Houston thing, uh, where pastor sermons were being looked at, things like that, that was raised quite a bit of concern, and so I'm sure those uh, types of things play into this. Uh, but it it will be interesting, first of all, to see where this goes. I mean, it's uh, it's been many years. Obviously, it's in in our lifetime. It's always been that way. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how this goes, and then to also see if it passes, sort of if much changes because of this uh, LifeWay research information, does much change in our churches? I don't yeah. know. So it, it, it's entirely possible that the law could change and pastors still not endorse candidates and still you know keep doing what they're doing. So it, it's yeah. kind of a fascinating little thing there. So we'll see. Right, we mentioned there's another story involving President Trump. So the markets have responded uh, positively so far to President Trump and his administration. We saw over 20,000 in the Dow Jones uh, earlier this year. And Guidestone has started a video series 
entitled Conversations with Guidestones, where the strategic investment officer, David Spica, will periodically offer insights for investors about current events and what they can expect in 2017. So there's a video at Baptist Press where you can go and he, he basically outlines what's going on in the economy and how it invest how it affects investors and, and provides, you know, ideas and research from Guidestone regarding the economy. That is a great idea. I yes. love that. Yeah, I, I, and, yeah. And I would imagine, I know the timing is it's happening with this administration, but I, th- I hope they continue that forever. Yeah, you know, that's regardless a fantastic of what's idea. Going on. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. Guidestone's one of those places where people really don't think about it, uh, you know, routinely throughout the year. Uh, right. we, we think about it, talk about it at the, you know, executive committee and, and at the Southern Baptist Annual Meeting. So this is just a great way, I think, for Guidestone to really stay front and center with people and keep them informed. And, and I, I would hope that people would catch these videos and, and check this out. So congratulations to those guys and a, on a great idea, I believe. And uh, you can check all that out at Baptist Press and over at the Guidestone website. Now, we mentioned that NAM did have a trustee meeting. They also had the SEND conference, the, uh, the first of three SEND conferences here over in Southern California. 4,000 attendees nearly at the sold-out conference in Long Beach, California. I heard great things from a few friends that were out there. They had 32 speakers at the event, Amy. That, that's a lot of speakers. Uh, but they had churches from all over the West Coast and beyond showing up and Phil Wickham, the Austin Stone Band and Ren Collective led worship at the event. And, you know, they had David Platt and Kevin Ezell and a, a lot of others speaking at the event. So just a fantastic event out there on the West Coast. Uh, we got two more SIND events, hoping that maybe you or I can make it to one of them. Uh, I'm working on the Florida one. So uh, maybe. So we'll see. Yeah, I was going to ask how that was coming. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful for the update. But that's that's great. You know, we saw the SIND North America or the Sin tour a few years ago, and that actually came right through Wake Forest, uh, and then the Sin conference in Nashville. So this is a, a a really fun thing to watch this year. For those of you maybe interested in going to the other two Sin conferences, there's one in Dallas, May nineteenth and twentieth, and there's one in Orlando, July twenty fifth and twenty sixth. So uh, check those out if you're interested. The reason that I'm looking at that Orlando one is because I'm going to be in Florida on vacation that week before. So it would just be a little hop, skip, and a jump down yeah. the coastline over to Orlando. So we'll see. Maybe maybe I can make that happen. Make that swing that. So uh, we'll have to see how that works out. So, yes. all right. Um, speaking of Nam, uh, another opportunity, unfortunately, for Send Relief to be involved this week. EF three tornado hit New Orleans down in my home state. Uh, pretty scary little thing happened down there and destroyed a Southern Baptist. Uh, church, the Suburban Baptist Church in New Orleans. It's a predominantly African-American congregation pastored by Jeffrey Friend. Uh, no one was injured there, but their home was heavily damaged. The, the church, there's a picture in the Baptist Press story, the church was just absolutely uh, hit hard, sustained major damage. And, and here's a scary thing, Amy, and you could probably relate to this pretty well being at the seminary. Uh, at the New Orleans Seminary, the chapel service began, and they announced, hey, you know, there's a potential storms. We're going to pray for God's safety. And like five minutes later, whenever the weather picked up, the campus police came in, shut the thing down, and had to shelter in place because of that the tornadoes in the area. The tornado passed around three miles away. I mean, that's that's, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, just trying to put myself in their place, and then particularly what they went through with the hurricane, uh, the at least the faculty and staff who were there for all of that, that had to be unbelievable. It actually reminds me more that happened once when I was at Lifeway. I think it was before you came and down in the, the parking garage and it touched down or it 
it, it passed through really close yeah. uh, to where we were. And it's so unnerving when security comes through and says, uh, it's, it's time for you to go. And, and the word gets out. And um, my Keith was actually driving into downtown Nashville right at that very moment and had to like hang up the phone with me because he was trying to drive through all that craziness. So it was a Were really the cows scary time. Like in Twister? Well, what was scary is I had said, I don't think it's downtown. I think it's moving away. Come on ahead because he was coming to get me. And then they you drove him right into the teeth of it, Amy. I did. I did. So then they come through and say, it's coming this way. So then I get on the phone with him and he can't turn around. He was on the interstate. And then all of a sudden he said he came around a curve and saw a huge black cloud and he yelled, um, I gotta go and threw the phone in the, oh, no. in the other seat. And, uh, so I was downstairs in the parking garage and everybody else was having fun. It was like, uh, yeah. you know, Summer camp, camp or yeah. something. Yeah. And I was over there pacing cause I had like steered my husband into the storm, but he's such a hero. He just drove right through that big black cloud and yeah, dodged kept cows and everything. Yeah. There, all the, the, all the other cars were pulled over on the side of the road. So there wasn't a spot, but Anyway, that's what I remember, but I can't imagine being in chapel and you've got so many people to direct, you know, to kind of take cover uh, and stuff. So really good. There was no damage. Especially with your role as a communications director at the uh, seminary. I mean, that would be, you know, you go into crisis mode, I guess. Right. We have a great uh, director of facilities and director of security. And so, I mean, there, there are things in place where if something like that happened, we would all work together. Yeah. And, and it sounds uh, like sure. New Orleans had that as well. So yeah, con- very, congratulations very to them. So. Yeah, so you All have right. a, a disaster plan, but but crazy day. Yeah, very scary uh, for sure, and glad that no one on the seminary was hurt, and, and also at uh, Suburban Baptist Church. Finally, from the seminaries, uh, Southern is offering a modular THM. I think we'd maybe mentioned this earlier on uh, whenever they announced it a few months ago, but there's a full release on it now. You can get a THM in as little as 30 months entailing only five week-long visits to campus instead of the full-time residency. So there's an article in Baptist Press about that. So THM is one of those degrees that you don't see a lot of, and right. you don't see a lot of modular ones at that. So uh, if you're yeah. really interested in a THM, you know, that's a, a, a pretty good option. Yeah, THM is a great degree. Uh, Keith has one, and um, it, it's, it's a really nice kind of in-between. It's a great research option. And, you know, in some sense, you look and say, well, we we have these modular PhD programs kind of popping up uh, at a lot of our institutions. It, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't that difficult. You can kind of design it in the same way. Um, the, the interesting sentence here is it says some of the modular THM coursework can apply toward the pursuit of a PhD. Uh, that, I think, would be well, very that's a nice enticing. Bonus. Yeah. yeah, it'd be very enticing. So uh, really interesting. I saw this pop up uh, this week. And uh, some of the the professors. Yeah, that I was going to say that's some horsepower right yeah. there. John Pennington, oh, yeah. Peter Gentry, mm-hmm. Michael Haken, and Greg Allison. I mean, those are no slouches. No, not at all. And uh, I I worked with uh, Dr. Gentry and Dr. Allison back in uh, the day at Southern, and I just I love those men. They're they're wonderful. And uh, Dr. Haken, Dr. Pennington are incredible as well. Amazing reputations. So uh, so good good stuff. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week, and going to bring us to. What I'm hoping will be my favorite this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, you've been waiting for this one for a little while, haven't yes, you? Yes, about two months at least. 
Yeah, because I, I put this on your radar screen uh, a little while back, yes. but it wasn't it wasn't the right time. No. So we're going to go back to, to 2003 for this. Yeah, for the story. Um, right, for the story. This was when there was a very special award that was given. Um, you're familiar with the People's Choice Awards? I am. Yes. We well, have a Southern Baptist winner of that. Right. This is not the People's Choice Awards that we see on television no, a it's lot. Not. This is the People's Choice Award from the National Religious Broadcaster uh, Television Committee. So it's in the NRB's uh, meeting. Which the NRB also run by Southern Baptist Jerry Johnson now. That's correct. So there was an award that was given to Southern Baptists. Um, it was in the children and teen category of uh, resources, and it was for a really interesting project. Um, yes. It was a, a television show of, uh, that was jointly produced by Baptist Press, um, Family Net, B&H, so a little Lifeway, and then World Changers, which was with NAM at the time, yeah. uh, was a series sponsor of this television series, and it was called Truth Quest California. Now, a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with it. Some they, of you may, may remember think, it. What is so big deal about this, Jonathan? And, and here's Amy? what I want. Here's what I want. I want people if if you're out there and you remember this and you watched it, or if you were in it. Yes, even better. We do know one person that was please, in it. We'll get there in a minute. Please tweet to us. Yes. Um, but Truth Quest California was a teen reality series that was basically like the Southern Baptist version of MTV's Road Rules. Yes. If you think about that, I don't know if you're familiar with that show. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, I never actually saw Road Rules. I just know that it was about a bunch of people that went on a road trip. Yeah. Um, they would do the odd place. jobs all over the place and, you know, meet different people and they would set it up. It, it was just, you know, just to see what happens when you, you go out on the road with people that you're not really like or familiar with. Yes. So basically you had all these, um, uh, just all these teenagers yeah, that were teenagers. at Southern Baptist churches everywhere. And they went, um, they went around on a bus and they did mission projects, yeah. basically. And they kind of spent all this time together and it sort of, the cameras just followed them around. Yeah. So it was fascinating. So a few weeks ago, I went over to the Southern Baptist Historical Library and Archives and literally, yes. like a needle in a haystack, found these DVDs. Well, actually, they weren't DVDs, they were VHSs. And say VHS. Yes. I found the VHS of these and brought them home and was able to watch them in all their glory 15 years later. Yes. So it was all taped in California yes. in July 2002. Um, and Baptist Press sort of covered the whole, um, the whole story. And uh, then, they, then they had, I'm trying to remember, was it just released on these videos? They played it on a I think it was on, on TV. TV station, I, I think. think it was on TV at somewhere. Like Faith Channel yeah, or, something like or something like that. Inspiration yeah. or something. Yeah. So, um, but we do know someone that was that was on the show. We do. And it was on were, Family Net. I'm sorry, Family Net. Area. Yeah, Family Net. And then there were some familiar names yes. as well. So I'm going to run through these names, and you may yes. recognize some of these because I, I looked a few of them up, and I knew a couple of the names already, and I knew a couple of the people already, which is even more fun. Andy Botts. Andy is at Severns Valley in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. He's, the, I think, the worship guy up there at Severns Valley. He's on Twitter at Andy Botts, okay? He's a picker of the guitar and a connoisseur of fine mashed potatoes, according to his Twitter bio. Kara Yates, 
To many of you who knew Kara before she was married to Devin Maddox, you knew Kara yeah. Yates. Amy and I know Kara Maddox, lives here in yes. Nashville. Devin works with me at Lifeway, was at Southern. I think knew you at Southern. Uh, well, uh, when, no, maybe, I didn't no? know him until Lifeway. Okay. We were at Southern at different times. All right. But, well, Devin's yeah. a Southern grad, uh, works at Lifeway and B&H, and his wife, and Kara. Is a, and is a current Southeastern student. Yes. Yeah, that's right. He's getting his well. PhD. And um, yeah. Kara was on this as well. Kara was probably the youngest person on there. I think she was straight out of high school. Uh, yeah. But she was from Cleveland, Tennessee, and Kara was on there. Yes. The next one is a name I think everybody may know. Chip Luter. Fred Luter's son. Yes. Fred Luter III. Chip was on there. David Hicks. Freeman Field. Janie Joe Allen. Josh Merritt. Son of James, James Merritt. James Merritt. From uh, Cross Point over in Georgia. Katie Royals. Sarah Brown. Shanna Hawkins. Richard Sparkman and Tim Harms. So I'm still working on locating a lot of the other ones. The the females are a little bit harder because they have married names now, and it's kind of hard to. Could track you it. do? You should do like a truth quest. Where are they now? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I've got three of the twelve. So we're gonna and, need your and, help, people. Yeah, and maybe we could even get them on the show. Like I want to get, get a couple Kara of them on, on the podcast. Yeah. For yeah, to so just interview. This July is the 15 year anniversary. Maybe we could organize yes. a 15 year anniversary or something like that, Amy. Yes. So, but you know, here's the thing: we're about cooperation uh, as our denomination. We're not about awards. We have uh, things that we're going toward, but we did. There was an award. Yeah. And uh, the the People's Choice Award at NRB for um, some of our teenagers who gave. Uh, two weeks of their time a summer to go out to to do mission work, to do it on camera, to do it together. So we certainly appreciate their efforts. Um, but that was, a, I think, a fun thing when they won that, and it all happened this week in SBC history. Yep, so that's kind of cool. And it was fun, Amy, to watch that and just see how dated television looked back yeah. then versus today. Um, that was that was fascinating. And then also the discussions about going to California. It was it's like they were going to a foreign land where there were no Christians. And it was just fascinating to see that dynamic at play uh, on the, the TV screen. So it was it was a special, special <laughs> video series there. So I'll do yeah. my best to see if I can find some of these other folks. If you know Andy Botts, uh, we know Kara Maddox and Chip Luter, uh, David Hicks, Freeman Field, Janie Joe Allen, Josh Merritt, Katie Royals, Sarah Brown, Shanna Hawkins, Richard Sparkman, or Tim Harms, and I'll put the entire list. Have them get in touch with us, please, because we'd love to interview them, love to talk to them about it, and love to get their thoughts on on those couple of yes. weeks out there in California. So uh, yes. pretty pretty fascinating little story there. And just a little nugget of gold in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. All right, Amy, resource of the week. Your resource of the week is? Well, I shared this. Oh, um, yes. Oh, wow. On my Twitter feed. I am very excited about this. So I have, a, I have a list, a Twitter list. Do you use lists, Jonathan? I don't. Okay. So I use lists, and I have different, like, where I put, uh, Twitter accounts that I want to follow in certain areas. You know, I have one for SBC this week that I do, you know, where I'm tracking things that are going on. Um, but I have one where I follow a lot of the um, presidential libraries all over the country and Shocker. their Twitter feeds. Shocker. And there are um, actually some first lady museums as well. So they're all in this Twitter feed. And so I see lots of history and things. Well, last night I was looking at it and, um, I saw something that excited me so much. So the Bush 
library. This is uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, the one that was uh, doing the coin toss. Hey, and Bowl. how about that? How awesome was that? Yes. It got a little dusty in the room here when he came oh, out. Pretty fantastic. And and I also said this on Twitter this week, too. I love it because he's my favorite president. Yes. And so I, I've I was been just, informed of that rather yes. um, strongly. So I was so touched. But in all of the love, the social media love for him, I wanted to make sure someone, she's pretty great, too. Yes. And she was out there she with him. She was out there um, right there with him. And I love Barbara Bush. I've read her biographies and things like that. She's just incredible. Um, but anyway, so the Bush Library and Museum launched a new app. And it's um, it's a game. I immediately put it on my iPhone. I have been playing it. It's called White House Dinner Dash. And it's where you plan and host state dinners at the White House. And it really is fun. It's um, you. Does Yo-Yo Ma come? Um, well, actually, the, it was a another violinist, and then there was a bit. Uh, the last one, the one that I played with the uh, president of the Philippines, had a, a really great baritone. I can't remember his name, but okay. And, and by the way, Yo-Yo Ma is not a violinist; he's a cellist. Just throwing that out there. Okay, whatever. Don't there was disrespect a the Ma. I know that. I know that. I have albums of his, but I wasn't thinking when I said it. Anyway, there is a violinist who goes around when guests are like starting to get a little restless. You can click on that and send the violinist to, to calm them down. So it's kind of like Disney World where they send out the characters? Well, so what they do is you seat, you, you pick some of the things, then you seat everybody. So you have to get them at tables, uh, place them at tables uh, with the right people together. And then you have to serve their food and it'll like you're clicking on different people. You're trying to get around to the tables. It'll show up whenever they're ready for something. So, I mean, it was crazy. I had gotten everyone's uh, drinks at the table and first course, but then one table, I forgot to get their salads and they started like it's you have to just check it out. White House Dinner Dash. I'm sure five people out of all of our listeners are going to do this, but at least it. It just it, it shows that is my resource of the week. That's the thing I was most excited about. All right. My resource of the week is a new podcast from Lifeway Research. It's called Keep Asking, features Lizette Beard, Scott McConnell, and Casey the Stats Guy. These guys are friends of mine, coworkers of mine, as well as Amy. Amy, I, I don't know if you know Casey or not, but I know you know Scott, and I know you know uh, Lizette. Uh, I could tell funny stories right Casey. now, but I no, will not. No, don't do that. Because, but I've met Casey. Because I want to live. and yes. um, But they are just fun people. And they're talking about research and different things. So it is worth a listen. Check it out. Keep asking uh, from Lifeway Research, a new podcast from those guys. And anything that Lizette Beard is involved in is worth checking out because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, and she's great at it. She's kind of the the beginning host, you know, facilitating sort of the conversation. And uh, it, it's really good. Um, you know, a lot of times people sort of see the Twitter persona that it's all um, joking. Uh, but she actually brings just a really delightful spirit to some very interesting topics. And so... And a lot of uh, brilliance as well. A lot of brilliance. So this is a, a, a really great new resources out there. So we like podcasts. Check that one out. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Amy, we've got some trusty recaps, I'm sure, that are coming next week. We'll be getting geared up for executive committee the week after that. And uh, who knows what else may show up in the Washington Post next week. So on that, we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>